Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. I feel like you know that you're listening to us, Amanda and Vicki, at well, the Inclusive Education so. Project. Unless you're listening to your podcast app and, you know, when you finish listening to an episode and sometimes it skips to like some random ass podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, so you could have accidentally skipped your episode ended and you landed on us. Stick with us. You'll have stick, fun. Stick with <laughs> us. We're already off to a great start. So we're kind of going through our Facebook group. Thank you guys so much for participating in it. It helps us out when we're thinking about, we have a list of topics that we want to run through, but sometimes we'll check that out to see if there's something like more relevant that's happening and we're making our way through that. So summer should be fun. And we have a good topic today, but right now we're recording and it was Memorial Day weekend which was nice and Blair actually started preschool or not preschool I guess it's daycare <laughs> I mean it's daycare <laughs> preschool you almost say six months and they started so earlier and her. earlier oh my gosh yeah it's like I was talking to a friend of mine and she was just like you already need to be looking at preschools by my friend who just had a baby that's trying to or not just I actually had a baby. heard that too yeah there's like you a should. long wait list like for preschools already here in Orange County I'm like what if you want a particular type yes. of school yeah I was like, preschool? This is crazy. But does her program that does she's in now, her, it, goes it goes up, up. to preschool. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So it you, goes up. What, now that she's like grandfathered in, you, I if hope you choose so. that, I mean, you we'll should see. be. Like, I don't know. But yeah, so I'm so competitive. Yeah, she was totally fine, smiling, and I was in tears. And the teacher was really sweet. She's like, you know she's in good hands. And I was like, I know what you're saying to me. But I'm, I need to have this emotion because I made it a point to be like, you know, a lot of times people will downplay or I'm trying to not do that. But you go, oh, I'm being silly or like, yeah. and it's just like, no, you're allowed to feel I how can you feel are this. Yeah. yeah. And then she was very sweet. And I was just like, thank you. Like, I know I logically know I'm an attorney. I can parcel things out and be logical sometimes. But there's also the other part of me that's just like, oh, my God. And. Obviously, I've returned to work. I've been at work for a while, but it, it's just a different level, yeah. right? Because it's just like you're leaving different her, environment, different environment. And like, how's she gonna sleep? Are they gonna do this? Da, da, da. So it's been a couple of days, and of course, I'm like, oh, I don't. I'm not gonna spend so much time with her because she goes to bed so early. So she's just been waking up really early. She's waking up. She's at like, like, play with me early, mom. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not do that. Just sleep, please. So that's been my week. And then we're almost, it's a short week anyway because of Memorial Day. But that was our, I mean, sorry, this is California thing, but it was like rainy at the end of last week. And then it's been like, we're not used to this in May. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're used to like getting a little bit of the June gloom, but it's not necessarily cold. It's just not sunny, which boo hoo, boo hoo. I understand. There was tornadoes (gasps) over the weekend in many parts of the country. There was like 18, like the, the toll of like how many, that's really scary, you know, but. Global warming doesn't exist. I mean... Just kidding. Well... It does. Yeah. And I said it. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a gloomy Memorial Day. Uh, Liam and I ran a 5K very impromptuly. 
I wasn't planning on. It. I actually haven't run a race in a yeah, year I was since say, I did you the half marathon in Boston last right, year. Right. So what? I had a friend that runes this one in Laguna Hills every year for Memorial Day, and it's specifically for us. But did you actually run it? Battalion. Yeah. But you didn't like train. I didn't train. I've been <laughs> starting like to get you. back. I know. I've been starting to get back into running a little bit, but it hasn't been much. I've mm-hmm. been actually trying to get Liam to train because with puppies, you have to like do little bits at a time and like get them so they don't screw up their joints by running too much. And then you just did a 5K? Like, I well, understand. we've been doing little runs, um, but he did very well. He lasted the whole time. He was lagging around mile two a little bit, but then he saw another dog and then he just... Then he was like, okay, I want to be like up near them. The worst part was in the first quarter of a mile when he just stopped to take a dump. Oh, no. And of course, it's like in the middle of a bunch of runners. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, geez, Liam. It was bad. I had to clean that up and find a trash can and, and all of that. But I mean, you know, if anyone's a runner out there, you know, your juices get flowing. And I mean, TMI, but... That yeah. happens to runners. Yeah, he yeah. So he had a moment, but he did very well. Signed up for the Huntington Beach Fourth of July five K. Oh nice. I've done that in a couple of years. Yeah, so now yeah. I'm well now we're really gonna train for that. I want him, him to beat his yeah. time now. Oh well yeah, now you have a baseline, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's funny. Well that'll be fun. Hopefully the weather won't be too too crazy. Usually that one's in the morning though, right? Yeah, like really early. That's early because there's like a a residence one that's like at seven AM. So yeah. it's less crowded. Yeah. But that's nice. I know. Pretty soon we'll get Blair out there. <laughs> She's going to be starting to run. I guess She's you too cute. The, the little strollers. They have the stroller. Yeah. The running strollers or whatever. And like, there's just so much stuff out there. Stick it's her in the running stroller and I'll, I'll run with her. Yeah, I'm not running. I'm okay. But yeah, so um, we have a fun summer planned of episodes. And today's is going to focus on an article that was actually on the Facebook group from Business Insider is actually a couple months ago in April. But sometimes Amanda and I will go through phases and not we but like our clients. So sometimes we'll have, you know, a bunch of kiddos with dyslexia or dysgraphia or specific learning disabilities relating to ADHD and just always prevalent are the kiddos with autism. So this Business Insider article that was posted is titled 12 Autism Facts That Show How Our Understanding of the Disorder Has Transformed Over the Past 76 Years. And the reason we wanted to highlight this article is even in the last 10, 15 years, the way that we talk about autism, right, in the DSM-5, the diagnoses book, if you will, it's changed, right? Like we don't have Asperger's. We have now the spectrum of autism because there's just it's just this big umbrella term now. Well, how many times have you been asked? And I know I've been asked this so many times. Why do you think we have so many more kids with autism yes. now than we used to? And my yeah. typical answer is, well, we don't. What it is is we're identifying more. We're identifying yes. better, I think. I think we have ways of identifying. I think we're learning a lot more. I mean, even like... I can't even think of the statistic, but I've heard statistics recently. It's like the percentage of the brain that we actually know a lot of information. It's like so small. Like we don't know so much about the brain. And I think that that's something that people mischaracterize as well is that autism isn't a mental health condition. Maybe that's what they thought 50 years ago, right? Right. But it's more of a neurological disorder insofar as just developmental differences that are affecting 
the development of a child's verbal communication and nonverbal communication. So when you typically think of the stereotypical child with autism, you're thinking of, or a lot of times people will think of the savant. It's just like, they're a really good artist or they know a lot about this and they're just that kid that just spouting off these facts about or baseball they think of or a, a kid who has some stimming behavior so they have the arm flapping or they have the, like the wringing of their hands or needing like that type of behavior but it is a spectrum for a reason no two kids living with autism are the same so yeah this article is really great because it has some information that some of it you may know some of it you may not know but we'll just kind of run through it says it's 12 autism facts so we'll go through them so we already kind of i already talked about the first one autism is a developmental condition that can make both verbal and nonverbal communication more difficult so yeah i was just to say there's a lot of myths out there and misnomers that and one of them obviously is that communication is difficult another is like all kids with living with autism can't do eye contact and it's very much misdiagnosed when a kid actually is better with social skills and social cues and a lot of people say well and i've had this in meetings before well he gives me eye contact so he can't have autism right or he has friends right so he doesn't um, or he's very verbal they're three years old and they're very verbal well so it's you know it's not all across the board the same there are verbal and nonverbal. And what's interesting is when I had indicated like it's not a mental health condition, it was in 1943 that a psychiatrist, Leo Kanner, first coined the term infantile autism. But what's interesting that this points out is that autism symptoms were documented and recognized as far back as the 1700s. So maybe that's the pragmatics, right? Or um, oh, this is how this person was interacting with this person or not interacting. And so it's interesting. But I think something that a lot of the autism advocates, if you will, have done, Autism Speaks is one of those entities is really, and what Amanda and I seek to do with this podcast is change the conversation, right? Is And you see it in different areas, right? The Time's Up movement, right? right? It's bringing forward, you know, what is happening to half the population in terms of sexual harassment in the workplace and the disparity in the inequity. And we're reading the RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in my own words, book for one of our book clubs. And, you know, she's at the forefront at the, you know, in the 70s with the equal rights between women and what they should have in the workplace and equal pay and things like that. And so it's all cyclical. So that happening in the 1700s and then people in people like Autism Speaks bring it to the forefront, trying to change the conversation, doing the puzzle piece like people do that as tattoos now and just getting it out there and making it known that you're not alone, I think has revolutionized. Well, and not only you're not alone, but people living with autism It's something that they're living with that they have, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, I talk to a lot of parents who say that their child's autism is a gift. We think of as long as we're able to support the child in the way that they need to be supported based on their unique needs, these children can do amazing and inspirational things just like anyone else. It's just like you would say that a child who has a great ability for athletics or 
art. It's the same thing. Every person has their strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, we need to be looking at something like autism as a a feature of a person rather than this is a bad thing. And we talk about this all the time and our society loves to label things, right? So we're, we try to do the people first language, right? So it's a child living with autism, right? It's not the autistic child and little subtleties like that. And even just labeling like why do we have to label that but it's just like this is how we talk about certain things and i think that's why they pointed out that infantile autism was first coined in in 43 and speaking of labels just like i had said my typical answer is they also talk about how you know even though there are diagnoses that are increasing among boys and girls in the u.s it's not necessarily an indication that autism is quote-unquote on the rise like people say it's just that the condition is more frequently diagnosed than it used to be. So, I mean, going back to if if symptoms were di- were recognized as far back as the 1700s, clearly this is not something, you know, that just came up out of the blue. Well, that could be somebody just looking at something and saying like, oh my gosh, they're talking about autism. Like they may not have had that term. Well, they didn't know they that didn't they were know. talking about exactly. autism. Just and like 10 years ago, a lot of people didn't really know much about autism. They may known like the difficulty with eye contact or difficulty with communication, but they may not have known some of the other subtle nuances. And so, you know, that's most likely if you're listening to this and you're above the age of 25, you probably went to school with someone as a child who likely had autism but was undiagnosed. It's very unlikely that there's that you never came across someone, but and there might have been something about them that either they, you know, were very smart, but maybe didn't have as many friends or maybe, you know, they were very literal. And so things like math and certain language components were very easy for them. And they honed in on certain areas of academics, but then other areas might have been more challenging. The abstract concepts maybe something like science where, you know, experiments are more difficult to grasp for some students. So, I mean, that's just showing that we're getting better at recognizing unique needs of children, which is unfortunate that our educational system is not following suit with creating differential learning because we know that the majority of students do not learn whether they have a disability or not they do not learn the traditional way of learning a lot of kids are able to compensate but the majority aren't but some are not able to compensate and that's where we have to step when people say like oh well i learned reading writing and arithmetic and blah blah blah." it's just like yeah but you didn't have everything that we have now and why do we keep doing things the same way like you know yes we got a majority of those people through but like there was probably also they could have learned in a different way and more or maybe you spent a lot of time studying And maybe you shouldn't have had to. Maybe something that took you five hours to learn should have only taken you an hour if you were given the proper, you know, way of learning. Yeah, just because we've been doing it a certain way doesn't mean we need to start doing it that way. So, yeah, so Amanda went through the next two items in this article about, you know, it being on the rise. It's just, you know, people are recognizing it better. So that's why it's being diagnosed. And then, you know, the different symptoms, you know, can be as we had kind of described before, just really subtle to debilitating. And I think something that we've talked about, Amy Schumer, just Mm -hmm. coming out and saying, oh, my husband has autism. And like, if you had seen her Instagram before, like you wouldn't have been like, autism like right he has autism, no. like you wouldn't have you and know. she specifically said you know these things the characteristics that qualified him diagnosed him with autism are the things that she fell in love with him for and one thing that they say in this article that i really love is they say 
children who develop autism see the world differently. And I think that's a really great way to think about it and to look at it is that it's not something that's wrong with them. It's that they see the world differently. And sometimes seeing the world differently allows you to do things that no one else would be able to do or think of ideas. I mean, that's why we have so many kids with autism that when given the opportunity to really learn towards their strengths and do things that are based in their preferences and their areas of interest can allow them to so much more thrive than they ever would be and be able to see things and do things that, you know, many other kids might not be able to. But it's that understanding that concept that they see the world different. And sometimes, you know, it might require in social skills to teach in a different way, whereas some kids might inherently pick up social cues. It needs to be taught, but doesn't mean that it can't be taught. It's just like, you know, sometimes people are very quick to pick up math and others are not. They needed to be taught more. Same with writing. Mm -hmm. Some people, it's very natural. Kids growing up, very natural for them to just write. Those are the kids who journals and have their diaries. And it's something that they didn't have to really learn. But in others, it's something they have to learn. Yeah, I've just, you know, I've heard some parents say, you know, it's like my child, if they're left-handed, it's just another characteristic of them, you know, having autism or living with autism. But yeah, some of the symptoms, if you will, are the tall tale, oh, trouble making eye contact, uh, difficulty listening, slow to respond to verbal requests, not able to sustain a long back and forth conversation. So sometimes that's when we'll see kiddos, they'll just want to talk about Star Wars all the time. The sensitivities to changes in noise, light, other sensory outputs. We see this with the bells that are ringing or the fire alarms. You know, we had some kiddos where we put it in the IEP. You need to tell him when it's going to happen because he needs to, you know, it is practice and we want them to practice, but, you know, we want in case something happens, he or she knows what to do in an emergency situation. Great ability to remember detailed facts and numbers. So that's a very basic like symptoms of autism. Obviously, there's a plethora of other things that can qualify under the spectrum. Oh, I was just going to say they have a few. So U.S. Centers for Disease Control identified seven red flags. But I want to caution this. We'll read this list, but I really want to caution that this isn't an end-all, be-all. This isn't uh, if your child doesn't hit any of these red flags, there's no way they'll ever, possibility isn't there, or vice versa. If they hit it, doesn't necessarily mean. Some of these symptoms, like Vicky had outlined before, like the sensitivity to sensory outputs, like that could be a sensory processing disorder and has nothing to do with autism. So there, some of these things are not mutually exclusive. So some of the, the seven red flags that the CDC came out with is a child not responding to his or her name by one years old, a child not pointing to objects he or she is interested in by 14 months, a child not playing pretend games by 18 months, avoiding eye contact, getting upset about minor changes, so like in schedule and their surroundings, repeated movements like hand flapping, rocking, spinning in circles, unusual or intense reaction to how things look, feel, taste, and smell. So those are the seven. But again, like I said, your child could be, you know, you could notice one of these, but there might be another reason. You know, we see oftentimes, and this is where like a person, a parent who has had multiple kids sometimes will notice some of these things different because they'll say, well, my other kid did this. 
you can't really compare the two kids because kids develop differently. Also, their environment might be different. So maybe one child was put into daycare and preschool very early on, and they had a lot of social interaction with other kids, had a lot of opportunities to hear other kids talking and seeing what they're doing, having those models, whereas another kid might be at home with their parents. And there's no good or bad. There's benefits to both, but they're different learning environments, right? Because they're both you may not say this is not school, but it is a learning environment. I mean, anything for a kid is a learning environment. Even adults, right, are learning environments. So you could have one kid that, and I think this happens a lot because so, we're starting to have a lot of our friends that are having kids, including Vicky, obviously. I don't have kids yet, but I do notice that a lot of people tend to compare their kids to other kids are on mommy groups on Facebook or whatnot. And, you know, they see things like this and or they read reports about what the developmental milestones are. And they say, well, my child's not doing this at this age. Or someone's like, my kid started walking at this age. And it's like, you cannot. And I think that's just, it's very, I think you shouldn't be looking at that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, yeah, there's definitely things that I think are important to look at and make sure that you're noticing certain things. But I mean, comparing to another kid, it is a slippery slope. So just keep that in mind with these red flags that it may or may not mean anything. And I think that people, and I saw this with my cousin, this is one of the people with autism have feelings. They just might not express them in the same way as others. Something that, you know, I noticed is that, you know, if he was being made fun of, it was just like, oh, well, he doesn't have feelings. And it was like, no, he just processes things differently. And so their example is Temple Graydon, who we heard speak at that presentation that we had gone to a couple years ago. So she's an animal scientist. There, I think, is... Claire Danes played her in the movie self-titled Temple Graydon. The photo here has like the caption that says HBO. I don't know if you could still find it on HBO. But, and I remember her telling us this, she has a very visual mind. The way that she thinks, if we're talking to her and the example she had given us was like, if you are talking about a church steeple, I, in my mind, have a picture of, and she like named some like steeple in like Italy. And she's like, that's what I think of. And it was like, I'm thinking of like a cartoon, like I'm not that, like I just know what she's talking about when you say steeple. I don't necessarily, a picture doesn't come up unless I recall it. Have you ever, I don't know if this is a game or a quiz, some kind of personality. I think it's like a personality test where this test where they basically tell you to close your eyes and then it says something like envision, like say like a beach or something, put a tree there. Meditation? (laughs) No, and then it's like, in your mind, put a tree there and then put a box above the tree and do this and do that. And then like the answers afterwards are things like, how big was your tree? Was the box on top of the the tree or was it? Did we do that? Yeah, I think we did that. Yeah, we did that. And the answers, the things that you visualize meant something yeah, different. Like was the box black or was it brown? Right. Like, was it, it have clear? A I do remember right. that. What did you see Ooh, in the background? That. Yeah, yeah, we should do that. do that. Yeah. We'll do that. Funny. But that just demonstrates that everyone's mind visualizes and, oh, 100%. I mean Vicky and I talk about this all the time. Like we will hear something, both of us, and like we hear something completely different. Um and if we don't clarify our understanding of what was heard and I mean, that happens all the time. It could just be hearing something. It could be our experiences with somebody saying something. I think that's what happens to a lot of parents. They may get triggered by something the middle school team is saying because that same thing was said in elementary school and they thought it was something different. And then they're completely like everybody has different experiences. And then when we throw in these learning differences, oh, my gosh, like it just makes I had a client today that actually Philip and I were talking to her and we 
had to break things down like several different times. And so we were like building off of each other and like trying to break it down even more. And afterwards he was just like, sometimes I just didn't know how else to break it down. And I was like, you just have to be able to find what it is that they understand and then build off of that. Because if I'm telling something new to someone and they just have no understanding, it's like, let's start very small. Like someone who grows up in the country versus like someone that grows up in a big city. If you talk to them and they've never traveled anywhere else, let's say you talk to this child about a tree, the picture in their mind of what a tree is, is going to be very different. Someone in the country might have these big, huge trees with these branches that go all over the place and the leaves might change color versus the city. It's like some small little one. I mean, talk to someone at the beach and they see a palm tree. Right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. But we don't realize that the way that we visualize things and the way that we think about things, yeah, it stems from its nature and nurture, right? It stems from our experiences, but it also stems from the way that our brain works. Everyone's brain works a little bit differently and we just don't know everything about it. And we need we don't always consider that. We think, well, this person just doesn't understand what I'm saying. And we've said it several times, you know, if if you're in a stressful situation, you might have a drink, you might go for a run, you might work out. And what Temple was saying in, in this article as well is that she would, she liked deep pressure. So she would squeeze herself into cow shoots and just like, you know, and it was that sensory of just feeling, you know, if, if somebody made fun of her or something was happening or she was completely overwhelmed, she just needed to feel, you know, just completely you know, big hug, right? And that's what they say too, is like, that's why people, that's why a hug feels so nice. You know, there's a lot out there as well as to, you know, well, what causes autism? And I think that's the million dollar question. And I think that people want to know so that they can find ways of, you know, I think it's hard because like some parents say, it's just, like having freckles, you know, right. I don't want it's my child to be different. It's right. a gift. It's a, yeah, exactly. But then, you know, I think that there are some parents out there and nobody's right, nobody's wrong of wanting to cure it, right? Or on another child, prevent it from happening. And yeah. and that's, I mean, all the levels, like we, when we talk about autism, we talk about a lot of the attributes that can and should be seen in a very beneficial and positive light. But there are challenges that every kid living with autism has. And of course, it puts a lot of stress and strain on the family and the child and everyone around. And so, you know, understandably, not wanting the child to suffer and go through the difficult parts of that is understandable. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as humans, we just want to know cause and effect, right? And I think that this is what the article is pointing out we just we don't know you know there's no medical test on the nose you know as to what causes yeah what people might say about vaccines or the stuff in our food or you know what you do when you're pregnant there's no medical causation proven yet doesn't mean that we might not get it there is some statistics in this article um that talk about the percentage of children living with autism that are born each year. And so in 1992, there were one in 150 children who ended up being diagnosed with autism. Compared to 2006, and this is from the CDC, 2006, it's one in every 59 children. So in a short amount of time, big difference. But like we said, just because there were one in 50 diagnosed doesn't mean that there were only one in 50 that were living with autism. 
So important thing to know. So these numbers, just like any statistics, can be skewed in very many ways and can be used in many different ways. So take it with a grain of salt. And then, yeah, they... I don't know if that's what you were saying. Also, the breakdown between like the diff- it's like, well, it's true that white children are diagnosed with autism at slightly higher rates. Experts say this could just be a sign of underdiagnosis in other populations or cultural differences. So that's just, you know, with everything, the data, when we have lower income cities that don't get enough funding and people aren't going to get checkups, then we have underreporting, right? I think that's why a lot of people with the census are wanting, you know, the census is to tell us how many people are in the United States. And then based off of that, money is distributed accordingly. And, you know, some of the issues that we're running up against with this administration is that they are wanting to ask status and status, you know, whether you are here quote unquote, legally or illegally, which is just it's an immigration question. And that's affecting, you know, and we cannot move forward if we don't have accurate data. We say that all the time, right? When we're at IEP meetings, what are the baselines? Where are we starting from? Where we're going? And I think that it's difficult when we have underrepresented populations that don't have a voice. Right. Is it affects how many representatives they have in Congress? And it, it does make a difference. Well, I think also, I mean, we know that, you know, students of color and minority students are less likely to be um, families are less likely to be listened to um, or concerns to be addressed. We know that they're disproportionately disciplined and I believe, you know, under evaluated in schools as well. So, you know, we know that a lot of kids end up getting the diagnosis of autism. It's not always like birth to three. A lot of times it's after that age. And so many times it comes after the student may have their first IEP because the article says it mentions autism numbers may be going up because we have better ways of monitoring and assessing symptoms that were once considered personality quirks. So a family may be considered something a personality quirk, but then once the school gets involved and says we need an assessment or the child is having challenges in school and the parents request support, it's then where maybe during some IEP testing that notions of it, symptoms of autism may come up and the family decides to go and see about a diagnosis. You know, and I I think if schools are not listening to families or are not identifying children, then that decreases the parents even thought to go to the doctor in the first place. Exactly. And I think, you know, I already said this, you know, about there being savants or, or anything like that. You know, most of children with ASD either have average or above average intellectual ability, but you also have the other side of the spectrum where they could have significant intellectual delays. So it's just, it, it really is a mixed bag. And I think that that's why it's, is that spectrum. And you know, some of the ways that we always talk about early intervention and, you know, quote unquote treatment, that's when you see the kiddos in speech and language, right? Have ABA, applied behavioral analysis. Some of the other things that are used are occupational therapy. Maybe the child is nonverbal in the sense that they are not able to have full-blown conversations, but they use the APEX, the picture exchange communication system. We've had uh, clients talk about special diets. Yeah. You know, I, I'm very much a proponent of that. I had some health issues that I went vegan almost three years ago. Actually, tomorrow it'll be three years. That's crazy. And I've seen a great difference. And so it really does. I mean, what you eat and what you put in your body does affect a lot of things in your life. Just like you were saying about the disproportionality of white to colored children, they also have some stats about 
autism is often said to be four times more common for boys than for girls. But researchers say that that actually is based on the ways that we look and measure autism may actually be sexist. And that that makes boys more likely to be diagnosed in the first place. So there's actually some statistics, again, from the CDC that that go into that. They say things like, you know, autistic girls or this is their article, I would say, girls living with autism, um, have fewer troubles making friends um, than boys. And that they say the girls are sometimes better at defining some of the typical behavioral checks for autism. And so the symptoms may be less obvious to teachers, family members and doctors. And there's a lot more about you know the gender gap in there and why some of this testing. But, you know, encourage you to go read this article. Yeah, I think it's a really good article that points out a lot of things that people and, you know, it's in Business Insider, right? It's like not in someone's blog or something, but not that that I'm discounting that, but it's something where it's prevalent, right? Like this is where we've come in the last 75 years in how we think about it and how we approach it and how these children are being categorized, right? And labeled. But, you know, there's a lot of things in there between that they talk about, which hopefully you guys will have time to go and read. But uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was good uh, talking to you guys and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.